Hey, welcome to Parkview. We're glad to have you here. Welcome to you watching us online again, um, all, all over the world, all campuses, especially my friends in Africa. Welcome. Let me tell you, let me tell you a story, okay? Uh, Sheila Hatfield and her husband, here's a picture of them. I don't know his name, doesn't matter. Uh, lost their wedding ring 11 years ago. Like they heard their toddler in the, in the bedroom, bathroom area, and they heard a clink. And, and she was, you know, two, three years old, whatever. And, and, and they, they didn't know where the ring went. They, they searched for the ring. They searched down the, you know, the vents. They searched in the toilet. They searched in the bathtub. They searched in the sink. They tore everything apart as much as they could. They couldn't find the wedding ring. Very disappointing, obviously. Eleven years later, they're remodeling their bathroom. Uh, they pull out the toilet. And you, if you've done this, you know what I'm talking about. When you pull out the toilet, you know, you, some stuff falls out, Right? And, and out popped what looked like a rusty washer. But of course, it was this nasty thing all covered in crusty calcium hard water deposits and who knows what else. It was the long lost ring. Here it is cleaned up. Let me ask you a question. Would you wear it? I mean, she did. God bless her. You know, she did. But, but does, that, does, that, does that also, let me ask this question. Does that feel a little metaphorical to your marriage? Yeah, my marriage went to the toilet 11 years ago too. Yeah, okay. We're going to take a real view at relationships today, just so you know. Here's what Jesus said and Paul said, and they both quoted Moses. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And Paul goes on to talk about this, and he says this, this whole idea of marriage is supposed to be an image of Christ and the church. Husbands ought to love their wives. Wives ought to respect and love their husbands as Christ loved the church, meaning it's completely one-sided. That, that, as a matter of fact, he calls it a profound mystery, okay? Process this. It is a mystery that Jesus would love me in such a way that he gave everything for me and I gave nothing to him. I mean, the church didn't do anything for him, right? And Jesus did it all for us. It's a profound mystery that God would allow that to happen, that he would allow his son to love us that way. And it's a profound mystery, according to Paul, that we are called into the same kind of a relationship where we give everything without expecting anything to, to come back. And I guess my question, as a guy who's been married for a long time, is why did it have to be so profound? Why, why does marriage have to be the symbol of this one-sided kind of love? Couldn't the marriage of a man and a woman just be a simple mystery instead of a profound mystery, right? Couldn't it be just a little easy puzzle, you know, like one of those little toddler puzzles where you have a handle on the front of it and the picture's behind it so you know it only fits one way? Why couldn't it be like that? Why does it have to feel like a math problem that only Matt Damon can solve on a chalkboard when nobody's looking? Why does it have to feel like that? Because that's what it feels like to me. Gary Thomas wrote a book called Sacred Marriage, and he talks about this whole idea that, that, that marriage is hard and, and that it's meant to be sacred, and sometimes the hard stuff is good for us. <laughs> You're going to hate this. Listen, um, he writes about Abraham Lincoln, and we all know that Mary Todd, uh, you know, historically we know this. She suffered from depression, anxiety. She had a lot of stuff going on, and uh, he said shortly after they were married, Abraham Lincoln and his wife Mary were talking, and she said, you know, Abe, everyone of quality lives in a two-story house. 
In other words, uh, I want you to build me another story on this thing, right? Lincoln didn't think it was necessary, so while he was out of town one time, she hired carpenters and started construction on the second story of their house. On one occasion, we know from history, she threw coffee in his face. Her tongue could be so sharp, Gary writes, that servants would threaten to quit, and Lincoln would slip them an extra dollar and say, stay with her, stay with her. She would do crazy spending things, and once a salesman came into the Oval Office of the White House to complain to Lincoln into the Oval Office of the White House to complain to Lincoln about the ill treatment that he had received from Abraham Lincoln's wife. Lincoln listened for a while and then said, surely you can put up with for 15 minutes what I've been putting up with for 15 years. (laughs) This is true history, okay? Gary Thomas said, So maybe there's a reason, maybe there's a purpose. Lincoln's marriage prepared him for his bigger mission. It is easy to see how a man who might quit on a difficult marriage would not have the character to hold together a crumbling nation. People with a weaker commitment might have said, well, if I had only married someone who wasn't such a loser. But Lincoln kept his vows and it made him a better president. God designed marriage as a place to develop our character. That's why you are married to an imperfect person. Is that helpful? (laughs) I don't want to be the president, Gary. I just want my spouse to be a little less cray-cray, right? I mean, come on. I mean, of course he's right. I know that. I know that marriage is good for us. It helps us learn how to love. It's good for our physical health. Do you know this? Studies show that married men live longer than single men. In other words, if you want a long, slow death, consider getting married. Okay? It's a profound mystery, you guys. The truth is my wife and I have been married 34 years next month, and we've had to work really, really hard to get to this point. Marriage is the hardest thing either one of us have ever done. Public speaking, jumping off a plane, leading a church, rotator cuff surgery, root canal, whatever. They all pale in comparison compared to the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that we have poured into our relationship. I want to tell you that. And the problem is is not just that it's difficult. It's that if you ask the average person, if you ask the majority of people, what do you want out of life? They're going to tell you, well, I just want to be happy. And that's just a way of saying, I don't need to be rich, I don't need to be famous, I just want to be happy, right? But, but the problem is, our definition of happiness usually comes from something that is molded around how other people are and how other people treat us, right? We're not really perceptive, we're not really pa- patient, we're usually pretty selfish, even when it comes to our happiness. And, and the problem is, if happiness is my goal, when I get married, happiness is still my goal, So the problem is not only that I'm not as good as I ought to be when it comes to this relationship, and I don't have everything that I ought to bring to this relationship, I'm expecting somebody else to bring all of that stuff into this relationship. If happiness is my goal and that person doesn't make me happy, then I guess I better go find somebody else that makes me happy, which is why the divorce rate is much higher among people who are getting remarried to somebody else than it is with original marriages. I mean, stats are off the charts. Because, because why? Well, obviously, that person originally wasn't making me happy, so I went and found this person that makes me happy. But now they're not making me happy, so it's time for another new happy person. This Is Us is, uh, is, is what we're calling this series. Um, very famous, uh, probably number one TV show in America right now. And I have to confess, I said I 
didn't want to watch it and I don't care about dramas and my wife made me watch it this week and it is now my binge watch, man. It is unbelievable. It is so good. I can't even believe I'm saying this, but I mean, it is so well done. Way to go. Well, I don't know who you're clapping for. Way to go, producers. I mean, the writing in this show is really off the charts. It's crazy. Uh, but, but the whole idea behind This Is Us is, you know, um, this is reality. And the show, the show is so well done because you get to see reality of a, of, a, of, a, of a black kid growing up in a white culture. And you get to see the reality of a, of a girl who's got a weight problem and self-image issues and, and all these things as they're growing up. And the writing, as I said, was, was brilliant. But the idea is this is real. This is life. This is us. Okay. Week one for us was how to have a better 2018. And it's as easy as ABC, go online, watch that. We want 2018, this is us to be better than 2017. Week two was, I wonder if people like me and how do I get approval, you know, from other people, which relates to what I'm talking about, because I can only get my approval from God. This time I will praise the Lord, Leah said. Next week, I would encourage you at all of our campuses to avoid the middle Sunday service, okay? Because I have a feeling we're going to have even more people next week for Daryl Strawberry, New York Mets Hall of Famer, who was uh, as famous for his addictions to cocaine as he was uh, for his unbelievable baseball playing. And he's going to be here uh, speaking for us next weekend. You're not going to want to miss that. We all struggle with those things. So, so today, this is us. I think my marriage is in trouble, which I kind of laughed about when I was writing this because Troubled marriage is an oxymoron, you know? I mean, it's just the way that it is, okay? I mean, it's always a troubled marriage. It's like sometimes it's a troubled marriage. No, always we have trouble. It's a profound mystery. Gary, you know, Gary, Gary Thomas, Mr. Marriage Encouragement, Mr., you know, if you want to be the president, you should be married to somebody back guano crazy, this guy. He said, I was speaking in Idaho one time at a marriage conference. They had 500 couples show up. And, and I said, I want everybody who's married to stand up. And I mean, it was, you know, everybody. It was a marriage conference. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remain standing if you thought, if, you, if, if your marriage has proved to be easier than you thought it would be going into it. Remain standing. Five couples out of 500 stayed standing. 1%, okay, found it easier than they thought it was gonna be going in. In other words, 99% found it a lot harder than they thought it was gonna be going in. Gary said, it's actually worse than that because as I was signing books at the book table, one of the couples came up to me and said, Gary, we got a confession to make. We were one of the couples that stayed standing. And he said, well, did you, did you not mean it? And they said, oh no, we meant it, but we've just only been married for 10 days. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea. So the profound mystery is that I'm supposed to love like Jesus, but I ain't Jesus. I don't know if you recognize that or not, and neither are you. That's the profound mystery. I'm supposed to love self-sacrificing love, giving everything, not expecting anything back, and I have a hard time doing it because I'm not Jesus. And what makes it worse is that most of us enter marriage knowing that we're not all that great, and we hope that maybe we're going to be fulfilled somehow by the other person. In other words, that this other person is going to fill the hole that only Jesus could fill. We saw that last week with Jacob. His love for Rachel was so strong that seven years seemed like a day to him. Listen to this. Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. 
And I made fun of that. I made a gagging sound when I read that last week, right? And I know some of you are like, man, you're just an old jaded guy that doesn't like love. I mean, you're, you're not, I, I want to go watch The Notebook, Tim. You're bumming me out. No, listen, I love love. I'm pretty high on the emotional scale for a guy. It's really important. But this sounds like he's putting Rachel in a very dangerous position, doesn't it? And if you study the story of Jacob, here's the whole story. Jacob is the twin brother of Esau. Jacob and Esau. And their dad is Isaac. It's Abraham was the dad, then Isaac, then Jacob and Esau. And Esau was very obviously from Scripture, daddy's favorite, his twin brother. I mean, talk about this is us, right? He, he was his daddy's favorite. And, and, and Jacob was always a mama's boy. And mama's gone and Jacob's had to run away from the family because of some other stuff. And he's got this huge hole in his heart and, and nobody to fill it and nobody to care for. And then he sees the most beautiful woman he's ever seen, and he must have said to himself, if I just had her, everything would be all right in my miserable life. If I just had her, everything would be good. And all the longings of his heart and meaning and affirmation are pointed now at Rachel. It's the stuff that movies are made of, but it's not realistic. Pulitzer Prize winner Ernest Becker wrote about this in, in terms of society. He's a sociologist, and he wrote about it. The fact that we've done away with God... You know, I mean, there's so much, so fewer, uh, so many few, uh, so fewer of us that are believing in God these days and, and, and figuring that whole thing out. But we still have this hole in our heart. So we're filling it with what he calls an apocalyptic romance. We look to sex and romance to give us the, the meaning in our life that we should be getting from a faith in God, which only makes this profound mystery even worse. So the profound mystery of marriage is that I'm supposed to be like Jesus. I'm supposed to love like Jesus, like he loved the church, you know, and, and let Jesus be the source of my meaning. And not only do I not do that, but I often want my spouse to be Jesus for me. And that's why my ring is in the toilet. So before I sound too pessimistic, let me introduce you to my amazing wife of 34 years, who is the person married to the crazy person in our relationship. Would you welcome Denise, AKA Abraham Lincoln. Love me. You know you love me. You're so goofy. I know, I know. It's true though. And you all encourage him. <laughs> That's true. Yep. Um, thanks for coming out and hanging out yeah. and doing this. Can I do a real quick shout out to Phineas, uh, uh, yeah. George, family, yeah. Mary, Wallace, everybody in Kenya. Love you. Praying for you guys. Yeah, yeah. praying for you. Um, what did you always tell our girls about uh, marriage? Well, I was a little bit of a killjoy at the end of the Disney movies and the books and everything because when, and they lived happily ever after came up, I would always say because they kept working at their marriage and they continued to date each other and they listened to each other for understanding and they didn't try to always just fix the problem and they didn't think that every hug led on to something okay, else. Okay, all right, all so, right, they got, they got the point, they got the point, okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, the, I'm sure my girls thought, you know what, um, man, uh, why can't everybody else live happily ever after, but my parents can't figure it out. <laughs> I, why do you think that that was important, though? Well, media and movies and books and everything today in our world are just unrealistic. They're just 
really ridiculous, and people don't know that. They, they think that's what it's supposed to be, and we had a very rough beginning to our marriage, and we had to probably work harder than yeah. most people did. So. Um, I, I had this in the form of a question, but we just want to be honest about our early, uh, our early marriage. That's why we wanted to do this together. It's, it's not fun to talk about. Tell them, tell them about our early, our early years. Well, we got married very young. I had just been 20 a few months. Yeah. He was 22. We moved 11 hours from... It was legal, from... but it was, it was young. <laughs> we mo- moved 11 hours from my family out and far away, his two, and uh, it was just two strong personalities, you uh, know, yeah. bumping We together. take those personality tests and we... You know, usually one person ranks higher on that, you know, D on that strong part, not, not us. We were, did you see that movie with uh, Brad and Angelina, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? It was based on our true life story. <laughs> um, well, we had a common faith. We did. We, we both had a passion for ministry and Jesus in this church and, and probably that stuff brought us together more than anything and we, we just soon just hit this disillusionment stage yeah, very very our, soon our, our we didn't have much of a honeymoon um stage um actually she had strep throat on the honeymoon so um, there's a lot of time in bed but it wasn't what you thought and um <laughs> and, 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 and we i mean we had a blast but you know the the early stage of everything was was really hard as a matter of fact we were working on this together kind of just going over what we wanted to talk about and i got kind of quiet and she said are you okay and i said no i'm not i mean it, it, it's painful yeah it was what very we, painful what we went mm-hmm. through what we did to each to other some of that uh, mm-hmm. to go back you know because i want to i want to be done with it but i think it's important for us to help you to understand i just don't it, whatever you're going through we want you to understand that the early years of our marriage i mean we didn't have abuse or affairs uh, alcoholism but but i mean as far as not treating each other very well um, you, you, you probably can't top us on that one. Um, and we, we got through it by getting a lot of help. How many counseling sessions would you estimate that we've been through in our life? Well, he alluded that we probably won the world record for world that, record. probably um, going to different counselors or how many counseling sessions. We, we went to a lot. There were different stages and seasons, and, and we would just seek help. And sometimes you click with somebody, and sometimes you don't. And so I think we uh, th- there's probably a counselor somewhere in one of our one of the places we lived that has a boat on the back says Tim and Denise. Yeah, they got rich we, off we us, didn't it, they? Yeah. You know? I mean, I, yeah. I, I hope that's true, but. Um, it, it, we, we went to a place called, tell them about, about the Blessing Ranch. Well, yeah, we went to a bless, the Blessing Ranch. It's a retreat center for pastors <laughs> very far away. And um, our very first time, we try to go regularly, but our first time there at, at night, you would get have dinner together with everybody. Um, and our counselor was just like, couldn't hold his head up. He was hardly eating. And the next day we were asking him about it and he said I have never been so drained from a counseling session before he could hardly eat we had done that to we him we did that yeah. <laughs> yeah. so so um, I hope you got a boat John I really do yeah um, yeah um why do you think that was important I mean why was it important to have somebody else looking out for us well you bring your own expectations into a marriage probably what you learned 
growing up, also communication skills. Whether you may have learned zero, you know, but yeah. or some really bad ones. You bring those together, trying to make this home, and it is just really, really tough. You think that the way your family did it was the right way, and she thinks that the way her family did it was the right way, and you try to bring that together, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, and you just often need a third party. Yeah. A third party to sit there and help you understand each other and help you work towards some kind of resolution, and that was huge for us. We, we've become students of marriage. Um, we really have. Uh, read every book on it. Um, you know, we, we talk about it a, a lot. Um, I think our kids are the benefactors mm-hmm. of that. We were um, honest with them as they went into yeah, marriage. Brutally mm-hmm. honest, yeah. And, and, and one of the things that we got to do as a part of my doctoral program was go to a week-long intensive class on marriage that happened to be taught by doctors Les and Leslie Parrott, who become friends of ours, and we have invited to be at our Orland campus on Friday night. And I want to tell you, I mean, marriage counseling is super important, but one thing you could do is show up Friday night for, for fight night, okay? That's what we're calling it. Um, fight night, and Dr. Les and Leslie Parrott are hilarious guys, I promise you. They're great. You will, you will laugh your butt off. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's not, I mean, they're going to talk about some, some hard things, but you're not going to want to miss that this weekend, I, I promise you. Well, um, and don't you think even, I mean, this is for married couples, of course, but just relationships in general, absolutely. you learn so much. Yeah, even if you're, if you're dating single. or engaged, you really ought to be a yes. part of this. And we made our girls from the very moment, it looked like they were in a relationship with somebody they might be married to. We made them start reading everything and doing all that stuff and having those discussions. Yeah. And one of those books was Love and Respect, which I highly recommend. I actually give it as gifts usually to people that I know um, getting married because it's so powerful. Women, just their highest need is love. Men's is respect. Mm -hmm. They would rather, if they had to choose, they would choose respect. And so many women do not give their respect to their husbands via tone, via treating them like a child, or... um, just how they talk to yeah, them. All kinds of ways. Put the um, put the graphic up. This is the basic part of that book. And I, you, if you've been around here, you've heard me teach on this before. We got in the crazy cycle, like from the moment we got home from the honeymoon. And we probably spent the first 10 years with most of our time in the crazy cycle. And the crazy cycle is this stupid spinning thing where I withhold love, she withholds respect. I withhold love, she withholds respect. And somebody's got to break the chain. Somebody's got to break it and, and, and get out of it. And it took us a long time to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. Um, tell, tell them some of the things that you think are important. Well, some of the things that I think we came to a realization and probably with the help of a third party was that um, you really have to be willing to change. So many people go into their marriage and this is the way I am, you know, or us Vernons are always super stubborn or whatever it is. Yeah. You've got We're to Italian, be willing. We're Italian, whatever your yeah, excuse is. Yeah, get rid of those and, and be willing to change. Let the Holy Spirit mm. change you and mold you. And then be ready to nurture your marriage. And that means... Yeah, what, what do you mean? What, what are some nurturing things? Well, dates. Make sure you keep going on dates. That's got to be a priority. Um, uh, get away at least one weekend a year without the kids. You have to trade babysitting, whatever it might yeah, be. We're we, doing that for our kids 
soon um, mm-hmm. to help them so they can go get away. Uh, we think that's really, really important. Um, you know, sometimes when you're empty nesters or whatever, your conversations, you, you know, I've been married 34 years, you go to dinner and what are you going to talk about, you know? <laughs> and so um, we have a chat pack. <laughs> we have a chat pack and sometimes I'll pull that out and... Uh, yeah, let me explain. So like yeah. everywhere we go, she's got this little thing in case the conversation starts to, you know, drag into playoff football. She can pull out a card. We were at this Mexican restaurant like two weeks ago having a very low quality meal, very cheap low quality meal. And the table behind us was just loud and obnoxious. And, and we're, I'm sitting there thinking, well, let's hurry up and finish the guacamole and get out of here. And she whips out this chat pack. I mean, that's what it's literally called. You can find questions online. This sure. is not brain surgery. And, yeah. and, and asks me, okay, let's do this. Um, who are your top three professors or teachers in your life? And why? And, and, and why? And that just opened up a discussion to some things. From, I mean, we've talked about, I think, everything in our childhood and, and everything along the way, but that just opened us up to talk about some deeper things that were going yeah, on. It gets really um, fun. And we're always ready to do that. One of the things we would never do is watch television while we ate dinner, which is kind of funny because now we do it we every do it night. A lot. I confess. <laughs> It doesn't matter now. There's, yeah. you know, it's the empty nest, but that's okay. Um, there's a, an emotional tank side mm-hmm. to this too. Mm-hmm. When we figured out that you are a very different person than I am when it mm-hmm. comes to emotions. You're, yeah, I'm an uh, introvert. I recharge by being alone. But I also, when I was with my littles full time, even though I was working part time, um, I would just get so drained and, and needed a break. And we had started implementing a daddy night mm-hmm. and I could go out with a, just for a couple hours with girlfriends or to a movie or sneak to the basement and do crafts. Um, and it really helped refill my emotional tank, my physical tank. I'm kind of very aware how bodies react and Yeah, that, I mean, the life. physical part was true too. We had to help each other with the, you know, with the sleep and, and taking care of ourselves. That's something that's been important to us along the way. There are different tanks on your gauges. I mean, imagine that your marriage is a car that you're driving and you've got an emotional tank. And if her emotional tank is empty, there's not much going to happen over there. So you need to help her with that and the physical tank. And, and then there's also the, the, well, go ahead. Well, so many times you hear, oh, I fell out of love. Well, I'm sorry, but we think that's a crock. Um, Really, uh, love isn't just, it's not a feeling, it's a commitment that you have. And you need to keep that kindled. and, and, And you'd be so surprised how if you go out on dates, how those romantic feelings can kind of return and oh, all of a sudden you're falling back in love. I mean, you have to work at it to keep, yeah. keep the romance and keep yourselves connected to yeah. one another. In fact, I once heard a woman, she was bragging how they had never left their kids with a sitter, blah, blah, blah. And it just made me mad. That is nothing to brag about. Yeah. That, is, that is a shame because that means she's not prioritizing her marriage and and well we get it i mean you know not everybody has grandparents around like our kids don't we're gonna have to fly to california to do this but but well but, we we had trusted but, friends but we did we we mm-hmm. made it happen we had a budget for it we 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 prioritized it and i would encourage you whatever you got to do figure out a way to fill up that emotional tank figure out what you got to do to do the physical tank figure out how to how to be able to to 
be with each other. It's and important for wives and husbands to be important. together. Yeah. And the third thing is the, is the spiritual tank. And I just going to be, this is us honest with you at different times. We're better than this than at others. And it's never her problem. It's always mine. No, that's not true. Well, but he's talking about, together. don't argue with me. Um, <laughs> uh, usually my uh. wife is a spiritual giant. Usually my wife is the one that's in the word and she's got an amazing prayer life and all those kinds of things. And sometimes mine's a bit obligatory. I'm just going to be honest with you. And right now, as I was thinking about this and, and writing about this, I'm in this season where I'm, I'm just swamped. I'm writing a book at the same time, trying to do all the other things that are going on in my life. And so my chair time is not as good as it has been in the past. And some of the beauty of that is being able to talk about the things that God is doing in your life and to be able to pray together more than just a God is great, God is good, you know, bless the food thing, but you're really being able to, to pour into each other. So here's my other little piece of advice for you. If you're not doing this yet, we're doing the one million chapter thing. Okay. Uh, that's where our church is trying to read a million chapters of the Bible in a year. We've already got 2000 people downloaded the app, already got a bunch of people doing it. And I really want you to understand this would be a really simple thing for you and your spouse to do. Download the app, read a chapter out of the Bible a day, maybe make a note of one thing that you thought was really interesting to you. And then when you go in your day, say, okay, well, let's talk about, let's talk about the gospel of John that we're reading right now. What was something you found interesting? Yeah, that's one of my, my favorite things that we do not every day, but regularly, especially on vacation is we'll, we'll talk about things that hit us or challenged us, or we don't even understand ourselves sometimes. And so intimacy is intimacy. Okay. Right. You want to be intimate with that person. It doesn't just come you know, at night in, in the bedroom. It comes from the, all the other things, the, the emotion, the spirit, all those other things that, are, that you're sharing together. It took us a long time to figure that out. And how would you say we're doing now? I would say we are doing great. It sounds like you're being a little sarcastic. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> we are doing really good. What are you going to say? You're on By Facebook Live. By the grace Live. of God, <laughs> God's healed us. And I would, I, I, I'm giving her a hard time. I agree. Yeah. I love you. Um, I would say that if you took Tim and Denise on February 11th, 1994, such a long time ago, in Springfield, Missouri. In, at 94? The, 84? What did I say? 84. <laughs> did I say 94? <laughs> February 11th, 1984, on the, st the steps of the Glendale Christian Church in Springfield, Missouri. And you said, what do you want your marriage to look like 34 years from now? this would be it. This is where we hoped we would be. The journey along the way, not even close, no, nothing like it. And you know what? I tell him a lot. I say, thanks for not giving up on me. Thanks for not giving up on us because we wanted to a few times. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, probably most people would have. And we only tell you that because, um, we want you to see the rest of it. We want you to see the end game. We want you to see what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I know it might sound like this is crazy. I can't do this. I can't be Jesus. They can't be Jesus for me. I need to go find somebody else. I just want to encourage you. Mm -hmm. uh, there, is, there is hope, and it's still hard. It was hard week as we were thinking about yeah. this, but there is hope. Yeah. Um, please remember that, that God has given us the power to do this together. Mm -hmm. And thank you for staying with it. I love uh, you. I love Will you. you thank her for me? I love you. Mm -hmm.
You're great, baby. Um, here's just one verse, and I'll wrap up, okay? This is like the, the, the like if I was going to preach, well, I even did a sermon a couple of years ago. If I just had one verse I could give you, this would be it. doesn't matter what your deal is, what's going on in your life, this is it. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's it, okay? If you're single, um, don't, think, don't think about who that person is. I wonder if that person's out there, whatever. Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. It doesn't matter. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things happen. If you're in a tough marriage, seek first the kingdom and his, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. They may, they may leave. They, they may not get it. It, it. There There's no way that you can do that. Your job is to seek first the kingdom. And, and I know you 20-year-olds are like, man, this is so depressing to me. Listen, we're trying. <laughs> you go, go watch Sleepless in Seattle this afternoon if you want to. It's all fine. But this is what we're trying to help you to understand. There is a reality to life right now, and we only only get through that reality with the help from God. So seek first the kingdom of, of God. Be Jesus to your mate as best you can. I mean, graphic illustration of that in our life. Some of our best friends actually are granddaughter's other set of grandparents. Lisa is uh, starting chemotherapy this week for breast cancer. They found out in, in the fall that, um, that she had breast cancer. They've done surgery. And starting this week on their 36th wedding anniversary, they will start chemo. I mean, you want to talk about I take you for better, for worse, richer, for poor, sickness and in health till death was part. Graphic illustration in our life. Please be praying for Lisa. Pre, uh, you understand what I'm talking about. But it doesn't, it doesn't happen when they change. It's not about them. It's about you. Um, Tom Anderson was a syndicated newspaper columnist. He knew his marriage was in trouble. I told this, this is one of my favorite marriage stories. He, he knew his marriage was in trouble and, and, and they just weren't getting along. It wasn't abuse. There wasn't, there wasn't, there, there wasn't anything. It wasn't affairs or anything. It wasn't that, that way. But, but it was bad and they knew it. And they went on vacation one, one year and they went to re rent a beach house and uh, they drove there. And late one night, as he's driving, his wife, everybody's asleep, he just turned the dial on and heard radio preachers talking, um, preaching, actually, from that passage I started with, from Ephesians 5, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And, and husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And he said, something inside just, just clicked. And I was like, you know what? I haven't been doing that. I'm going to try that on vacation and see what happens. So on vacation, he said, I, I helped out more than I normally would have with, with our marriage and with the things that were going on. I talked to my wife more than I normally do. I, 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 I went on walks at night on the beach instead of watching television. And he said, you know, it really wasn't as hard as I thought it would be because something was changing inside of me. I felt like that somebody was giving me power to do this. He said, when vacation was over, I kept on doing all these things that I wanted to do to make her feel valued and cherished. And after a few years and a few parts of their relationship, or after a few days, a few weeks, I should say, of their relationship, parts of things just started to fall into place. And it started to really take off. And he said, I was feeling so close to her, it wasn't even, it wasn't even hard to do anymore. And she was feeling close to me as well. And then one morning, about four weeks after he'd heard that radio preacher, he said, I walked into the bedroom and she was sitting on the edge of her bed, just kind of despondent. And I said, what's wrong, honey? And she said, do you know that, that doctor's appointment I had before I went on vacation? 
And he said, yeah, uh, routine physical. What about it? And she said, do you know something about me that I don't know? <laughs> and he said, what? And she looked at him and she said, Tom, you've been so good to me these last four weeks. Am I dying? <laughs> and he said, I just smiled and said, no, honey, you're not dying. I'm just finally learning to live. Let's pray. God, let's pray for all of us. I pray for our relationships. Help us to be Jesus as much as we possibly can. Help us to get help whenever we need it from the outside to help us manage the things that are going on. And let us seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and let everything be added. That's how it's supposed to work. Thank you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.